0: Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today, I'm so excited and honored to be here with Sarah Merrill, who is the creator of the Instagram account and podcast Big Kid Problems, as well as the host of the podcast Bottle Service, which is more recent. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. It's so exciting to be able to talk to you.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Um, so I guess if you don't mind starting out by telling me a little bit about yourself, where are you from? How old are you, if you care to share? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What's your story?
1: Yes. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know Big Kid Problems, um, it's actually like a comedic Instagram, Twitter account I started back in college. It's all about like making jokes about the adult world and not really like knowing what to do, (laughs) entering the adult world and all of the, you know, issues that come up with it, all of the quote unquote problems we go through, like as we navigate the adult world. And I grew up in South Florida. I went to college at Florida state, which is actually where I started this account right before, right before I graduated Florida state, I, um, started this on Twitter. I was just kind of like poking fun at not wanting to graduate and not understanding how the real world works. And the account kind of like took off on my college campus and I just kept doing it uh, all throughout my early 20s after I graduated, moved to New York City, you know, tried my hand at several different careers, was very, very lost in my 20s. It made for great content and um, just kept doing that. And then um, I lived in New York for almost 10 years. I've met my husband, my now husband. We just got married like six months ago, pregnant, all the things Like we're, <laughs> we're, really, we're really speeding up this adulting track all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, that's a little, little background on me. Wow. That's so cool. And,
0: and I mean, you really were one of like the first in the quote unquote like, game and like meme accounts and all. All those things that, you know, at one point there were like, I think like five like meme accounts I followed and now it's like overwhelming of how much content I digest every day. Um, But that's so, it's so funny. I think like when, you know, you started that account, I was, if, if that was like, what, 10 years ago, I'd probably, I think I was just graduating or honestly, I was in high school, but the content now resonates so much and especially I think there's a lot of overlap between the concept of big kid problems and the theme of this podcast or like one of the themes which really was just transitioning to life in New York and life post-grad because I remember graduating college and thinking like I was going to you know a job that I'd already interned at so I thought I knew the lay of the land I was so excited to move to New York with all my best friends and I thought oh you're gonna live this like awesome life like sex in the city and (laughs) friends all mushed together and I was gonna have like all these like cool friend groups and then I got there and I was like oh wait like I am broke I live in Murray Hill I'm I like it's a lot harder to get to like I don't know these places I thought were just a subway away when like after work I didn't want to you know walk all the way down to the East village to see one friend and I had a roommate. It was so awful to me. And it was just like a complete mess. Yeah. And it was like that awful feeling of when you romanticize something so much and then it just doesn't live up to expectations. And I guess what was your, um, did you have a similar experience of moving to the city or, or how was that transition for you?
1: Yes. I'm laughing because everything you're saying, I'm like, spot on, spot on, <laughs> spot on. Um, I very similarly had a very romanticized view of New York. In some ways it exceeded my expectations and other ways it also kicked my ass. I got a little bit of both. Um, I, growing up in South Florida, like I always dreamed of moving to a city. Like I, I hated the slow pace, um, life that I lived in Florida and like dreamed about moving into the hustle and bustle. So when I first got to New York and I experienced like that energy and people were just like, you know, everyone had goals and were super driven and, and, you know, the city is just like electric. Like I actually loved that and, um, fed off of that really, really well. But New York also has a very special way of just like beating you down. Like you definitely you definitely um earn your keep in New York, I will say. And I've had so many experiences like what you're saying, like the romanticized version of like the Carrie Bradshaw apartment that you're gonna move into, or like the friends apartment you're gonna move into. And in actuality, you're in a shoebox. That's on, uh, on the sixth floor. That is a walk up and there's like mice in your apartment and you have like two shitty roommates and one's like stealing your credit card. You know, like it's just, (laughs) there's a lot, there's a lot that, um, I think movies and TV do not portray. Um, but I will say, do you still live in New York or was this a, was this a a short period of time for you? So
0: I grew up in New Jersey and I always went to New York. And so it was, Less of like a dream of mine, and more something that I like. I knew I would always move to New York after college. with my parents worked in New York, um, and then I interned there my sophomore and junior years, where I got like a taste of it. But my parents were paying for the dorm I was living in, and you know I was getting some good money from this internship, so it was a little like it was like a taste of what I thought life would be. And I was also with all my intern friends going to like intern bars yeah. and whatnot, and then. So I think that's what changed is like I do I I did and I do still love the city but then working there for two and a half years um and then like with the second half of that portion being in a global pandemic yeah. I moved to Austin, Texas.
1: Um I'm going to move back eventually to New York, but it's definitely been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, after leaving New York, you're kind of like my first so long, New York was the only place that mattered to me. Like I was like anything that's taking place not on this tiny little island doesn't even matter. <laughs> you know, like I just thought New York was the end all be all. And then after leaving and moving to like a new state where I live in like a house and like have you know a car that i can drive places and like the convenience of like living outside of new york it's so it's so funny to me but i will say like new york anybody who's lived there like it it becomes a part of you like it really did yeah. make the make me the person that i am today and make me a hell of a lot of a tougher bitch <laughs> yeah
0: definitely i mean it still holds like a special place in my heart and even visiting more recently it's just like like there's no place like it. Yeah. Um I guess so you mentioned like some but I guess if you could expand on like some of the other I guess quote unquote big kid problems you had when you um
1: moved to New York like what would those be? Yeah, so that's kind of the fun part with big kid problems is the quote unquote problems have really Um, changed throughout the years. Like when I first started my account, it was all about like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. You know, just starting a job, trying to figure out how to get an apartment, living with three roommates uh, and all of those struggles. And then as I got a little bit older, it was more about like, oh, I already have the job, but I hate my boss or like I'm underpaid. Um, You know, and now I'm dating in New York and like the whole, like, there's so much dating content that goes into that. And like, you know, trying to find your husband and dating like a million terrible dudes, like on dating apps and being catfished and, you know, or like finding a guy you really like and he's dating three other girls, you know, like there's, I always kind of, I always like to think of big problems into categories. Like I think like career is a big one, um, finances. Cause I went from being very, very broke in my early twenties to kind of navigating that into my now early thirties, uh, relationships and love. I think I'll be telling jokes about relationships and love till my dying day because the content never stops. Um, and then like lifestyle stuff, just growing up, being in the city, you know, going out, getting really drunk on a school night and showing up to work uh, hungover, you know, those are my early 20 big kid problems. My 20, my problems now that I talk about on big problems are like deciding which movie I'm going to watch on Netflix with my husband and like arguing about it for four hours and then both of us falling asleep on the couch. So it's very different now than it was earlier, but it's kind of fun. And especially people who have been following for a long time um, kind of go on the, have been on the journey with me. And I think like their lives have also evolved, but um, yeah, those early, those early 20 big kid problems were, were classic. I love looking back on them now and being like, this is so funny. Like, I remember I can go back and look at content I made when I was 23, 24, 25. And I, whenever I read something that I wrote back then, I'm like immediately transported like back to my old self. And I remember exactly what I was going through. I remember like the day and it's, it's, it's really fun to go back and be like, Oh, what would I, what would I tell my old self now? Like then what did I need to hear then? Um, which is just always, always funny. That's so cool. You, you literally have
0: like something that's grown with you and it's almost like, it's almost like a journal like that the public can see, but you know, I mean, this is a silly comparison, but when I was in college, I had a Finsta and like a fake Instagram. I I don't even know if people have those anymore, but whenever I like literally would do silly things and like my justification for any of it was like, well, it would make funny content. So like if I had like a ridiculous morning and I was super embarrassed rather than like blaming myself, I was like, well, this will be a funny, like my Finsta followers will think this is hilarious or like a good story time, quote unquote. But I mean, in a way it does kind of add some levity to situations that, you know, if you were to like harp
1: on wouldn't be as like fun (laughs) hundred percent. That was kind of, it was kind of like, almost like a therapy tool for me. Uh, great. I couldn't afford therapy in my early twenties. So this was, this was my brand of it, uh, which was just, yeah, exactly. Like taking some of the the problems, quote unquote issues that were going on in my life and making jokes about them. Cause I can make fun of myself all day long. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's funny. It's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a ride.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, that I'm, so you started in 2011 and then I first heard you speak on Hannah Burner's podcast in I think it was like early 2019 March of 20 or yeah who I then actually had on my podcast as well um and I think in that interview you talked about like you were just about to launch your podcast or you had just started it so what made you want to start a podcast and how have you incorporated the themes of your Instagram to, you know, um
1: a platform that's
0: speaking to other people and what is that like?
1: Yeah. Um, love Hannah. What awesome. And it's almost like people like her and other people that I I listened to or could see that were doing like in a similar category as me that had expanded to podcasts that kind of I thought was really, really interesting. One of the things um, I, in my early twenties, I mentioned I couldn't afford therapy. So I used to listen to free podcasts all the time. Uh, I, you know, sitting my ass on the subway, going to a job I hated and, you know, would, would have like these 30 minute commutes where I would listen to all these incredible podcasts and get so much information and get so much out of them. I loved that. And kind of to what I was saying a little bit earlier about I can look back at my old content and kind of like laugh at it and be like, Oh, what would I say now with like my life wisdom that I have in my early thirties back to early twenties, Sarah, who was tweeting about this breakup, you know, or tweeting about something that that I, I now can look back on and be like, this is what you should have done. Like this is what you, this is what you're going through. And this is what you need to know as somebody who's like a little bit older and has been through it. And that was kind of the, like, and like, starting point of this podcast is I wanted to make a podcast where I took all the big kid problems that I was joking about and then actually solve them. And not only just through my own life experience, but also bring in experts, bring in people who are a hell of a lot smarter than I am to kind of come in each week. And like, we kind of dissect each topic, you know, I kind of pick a big kid problem every week, if whether it's getting dumped or like asking for a raise or what have you we've been through so many topics at this point but bringing in people who could kind of help you know us navigate through through some of those big kid problems that was kind of the idea behind it and another big thing i was actually just thinking about this the other day if anybody listening is you know interested in building brands on social media this is another thing that really pushed me um towards podcasting because i just actually just saw this recently this week um where i was scared to only have my one big platform, be Instagram, because I don't control it is a big thing for anyone who is doing that for the longest time. I put all my eggs in the Instagram basket. And I remember one day my account got hacked and I couldn't get into my account. And I was like, Oh my God, I just spent, you know, like four or five years building this account, building this community. And honestly, at the blink of an eye, it can be gone because I don't own it. So that was another, um, thing that made me think that I wanted to venture into other areas. And I had a website I did. I have a blog as well, but blogs were kind of like on the way out. And I thought podcasting was just a lot cooler and, um, opened a lot of doors. Like, I think everybody like loves to be on podcasts these days. And I was amazed, especially early on, you know, being a girl from nowhere, with, you know, not a, a huge background or a huge following, like I was able to get amazing guests on my podcast because people were just interested in podcasting. So it was the right move at the right time. And I've had so much fun doing it the last few years and just launched a second podcast, like I'm podcast junkie right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. It's almost like you create like big kid solutions. Like you got to like solve all of those problems that you touched on at different points in your life and like can revisit them so that you're not you know just speaking to yourself but you're speaking to yourself at different ages and thus like other people um, at different ages and I mean I agree 100% I always loved podcasts and I remember back when I worked in an office at a different job, which I hated. I would like sit there every day and just listen to like podcasts and like on end for however long I was in the office. And just, it it was like such an escapist kind of feeling. And I thought like, I'm a very kind of, I don't know, inquisitive person. And I thought it was so interesting how podcasts almost allowed you to be a part of a conversation and it almost felt like you were like best friends with the two hosts or the host and their guest and things like that. And, um, so when I started mine, it was like right before the pandemic. And then of course, you know, with a global pandemic, TikTok blows up, podcasts blow up because people I think are searching for meaning and like searching to have those types of conversations. And it's just such a great way to like, not only, take in knowledge, but also spread it.
1: For sure. For sure. I've gotten so many great like life tools from podcasts. It's insane. It's amazing. Yeah. I wish we had, I wish I had them earlier in life. I really do. Um, and I, I think it's so cool. Like the range of podcasts there are like some days I'm like, I just want to be entertained. Like I'm having a shitty day. Like I just want someone to make me laugh. Other days I'm like, I want to work on self-improvement or (laughs) I want to, I want to know like how to get my personal finances in order. Like I've learned so much of this stuff from podcasting and that's kind of what I wanted to do with mine too. I wanted to like, not just follow one specific category. Like I tried to take from all of those random big kid problems, like relationships, career finances, all of that stuff and have it in one place.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, it's, it's cool because like, not only are you learning things, but you're also like by having it as this large platform, sharing that with millions
1: of people. Oh yeah. I've learned so much from my own podcast. (laughs) It's it's amazing. I like, I like to think about, you know, what do I want to learn about or what am I interested in? Who do I want to get on my pod? Who do I want to talk to for an hour and like, you know, extract knowledge from, and like, it's incredible. It's been, it's been amazing that way. And especially when it comes to the pregnancy podcast, uh, Cause now that I, ha- I have a pregnancy podcast that follows like every week of pregnancy, like, and I've learned so much doing this thing. It's, it's bizarre. Like I'm, I'm now like yeah. wealth of pregnancy <laughs> knowledge. Like people can mention something casually to me. I'd be like, Oh, you're, you're week 14, 15. Like I just, I know so much now about it from just doing this podcast and doing like the research that comes with it. But Big, big fan of all podcasts. It's I'm, I'm glad you're doing it now, too. It's, it's so much <laughs> Gen fun. Z is going to, like,
0: know how to do their, like, taxes and, like, manage their 401K, like, so easily because <laughs> they grew up with this stuff, whereas, like, I came into like, – they'll have a little less big kid problems, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, I was thinking that. I'm like, is college even necessary anymore? We have YouTube and podcasts. Like, we got this. Yeah. No, it's such a good point.
0: Um, So I guess one question I had for – for you is, I guess, like, what advice you would give to, I mean, I know big kid problems can be applied to any age, but I think a specific age that's really hard, and, like, Blink-182 is at it best, is, like, 23, and, like, nobody likes you when you're 23, <laughs> because it, and that's certainly how I felt <laughs> when I was 23, and given that it's that, like, transition year post-grad, and, you know, what advice would you give to someone who is at, like, a rut whether it's due to a recent move to a big city or an adjustment or a new job or a loss of a job like what advice would you give to that person and yeah and and like you know or whether even if if it's
1: your like younger self yeah such a good question it is funny um Because it's true, nobody likes you when you're 23. And I just turned 33 and I like tweeted that. I was like, No, but it turns out nobody likes you when you're 33 either. Um, but 23 might have been, if I'm looking back, I think 23 might have been the hardest year of my Mm -hmm. whole life. Um, just because everything you said, you're transitioning. You're a really low man on the totem pole. Like you do not have pull. You do not have much of an income at least for me. I I barely my my starting pay working in like PR and entertainment, I was making nothing and living in New York. Like I was so 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 broke. Um the what I would say to my 23-year-old self is this is a moment in time. Like this is, this is a very temporary space that you're in. Like if it, when you're in it, it feels like it's going to be forever. You're like, Oh my God, I'm going to struggle forever. I'm never going to find out what I want to do. Everybody around me seems to have it figured out. And I don't, this is such a temporary piece of time. Like it might sound weird, but try to enjoy it. Like you, you, you might not have a lot of money, but you also don't have a lot of responsibilities. You can do whatever you want. You can screw up at your job because you know what, if you get fired, it's not like you had like a big 10 years of building yourself up at this company. You can go find another job. Uh, So there's some beauty in that. And it is, it is a very unique time in life. You will look back on it a, a couple of years down the road and you will laugh. You will, you will, you'll be proud of yourself and everything that you're going through in this stage of life, like just getting through it is enough of an accomplishment that you will be proud of yourself and don't be scared of not having it totally figured out because nobody has it figured out. And if they do in like three or four years, that whole like shit is going to implode on them. And then they're gonna have to refigure it out at 26, 27, 28. And that's kind of the cycle of life. Like we never really totally have it figured out um things are going to change things are going to happen all the time and you got to roll with the punches and you got to just like learn from the bad experiences that you're going through now and evolve with them but it is temporary and you should enjoy it that's what I I'm, I'm even now at 33 like telling myself the exact same advice cuz I'm pregnant and I'm kind of miserable <laughs> like I'm not having a great time with this and it's a lot harder than I thought and I just keep telling myself This is a temporary. This is a very sliver of your life, like a very, like very small window, and I might not have this experience again. So it's just, it's just trying to roll with the punches and enjoy, and know that this is things change. You know,
0: yeah, definitely. And I think what you said about you know if you, if you don't kind of address those things at twenty three, then they'll reappear in your life. I like. I dabble in astrology <laughs> and i one thing i think that's really interesting is the concept of like your saturn return and your jupiter return and how your jupiter return if i have them correctly is when you're like around 22 23 and then your saturn is when you're like 27 28 mm-hmm. and i mean granted this is all i've taken for podcasts, but if you don't like address your you know the difficulties of your jupiter return then it'll all hit you at your Saturn. So I'm like, okay, I had a pretty shitty year 23. So hopefully like 27, 28, will be looking good. Cause I I mean, hopefully knock on wood, but I just thought that was interesting. And it's, I think it also speaks to like doing the work and you know, whether it's through therapy or, um, having like a really good mentor to go to and just having that self-reflection portion is is important as well. Cause if you don't like learn from your mistakes, then you'll just repeat them.
1: Yeah. Well, let me ask you, okay. So you said you had a rough year 23. What do you think was your biggest, I call them big kid problems, but what do you think was your biggest like issue that like made your year super hard?
0: Oof, there were a lot. Um, <laughs> I think for me, I had something really terrible happened when I was um a senior in college I I lost a really close friend to suicide and that like shook me and I never really took the time to heal I like kind of ran away from feeling that grief and so when I graduated I had I like moved to Greece for a summer and like really ran away from my problems but by doing so like all of the, the mental health issues that I like had a sort of battling just like spiraled. So I, my, I had an eating disorder and it just like went to the went to shit. And then I was dealing with the grief of my friend and just everything kind of came to a head when I had to face reality and start my job mm. in that September. So, in in reality it's one of those things where, you know, I think people feel like, Well, I can't take time off from work to go fix myself because like I I'm supposed to be at work or all of that and it's like if if you never really address those problems, you're just like it's you're inevitably gonna have to face them at some point and they're just gonna be so much worse and snowball into something bigger. And so I think that was probably like the biggest kid problem that because I just pushed everything like under the rug for so long it was a lot harder to deal with when I had like a full-time job and the new like the newness of New York and living in New York um on top of that whereas like I really should have taken the summer before just to like take a step back and say okay let's really process everything that happened as opposed to just running away from it.
1: Yeah. I think even if you had taken that time, it's, it's one of those things that's going to be really hard to process. Even if you're like, I'm going to give myself six months to a year to process it. It might not happen in that short of time. Um, I've never had that situation and I'm so empathetic to you because I, I can't imagine and I'm sure it's really, really, really hard. Um, I had, I did, I can relate in a certain way is that I did have like a little bit of a traumatic experience that happened right before I moved to New York and same thing. I'm like, I just don't have time to deal with this because I now have bills to pay. I have rent to pay. I have to get a job. I have to just focus on, on starting life, you know, like it's, it is a tough time because you're just getting started and you really do have, you have a lot of other balls in the air that you have to focus on. And I know at least from my experience, which is. Different, but, you know, a a little like I I, similar in the sense that I slid some shit under the rug. um, It did come up like later on. And I started getting panic attacks and I started having anxiety. And I'm like, why am I why is my body reacting this way? Um, And what what I did, and this is not to say this is the right thing to do by any means. This is just my life experience because I didn't have the luxury of taking time away from working i had bills to like i said i ha- i had to support myself in new york city which was not easy to do i just started doing like little things that helped me feel better um I learned about my anxiety like i i kind of took my anxiety as like a, a uh like an experiment like almost like a like watching a science experience experiment unfold like whenever i would start to get a panic attack, I would go back and be like, what was I doing today? Like, what were the, what were the things that I was doing today that might, may have triggered this? Did I sleep last night? Oh, I actually, I was up till 2.00 AM, you know, on my phone and like watching like a murder show and didn't really get great sleep. Is that contributing to this? Like I treated, I treated some of the reactions I was having, And I'm sure you can, you've probably experienced like that reaction feeling of when you're not dealing with some shit and you just start seeing reactions in other areas of your life, just trying to understand that. And that could take time. Um, But that's something that really, that really helped me was just kind of dissecting things, getting a better understanding of myself and what was causing some of this stuff and then like years and years later, I could even go back and be like, oh, wait, this was the actual thing. This actual traumatic experience spurred a lot of this. Um, yeah. But it is something you, you can't just at least not everybody can just take a, a, a chunk of time and be like, I'm going to solve this. <laughs> and
0: yeah, it, it's so true. Like literally the body keeps the score. And I was certainly saw that. And I, I mean, I was fortunate that I had like 35 therapists. At <laughs> that, like a time, I had like my I had a huge team supporting me, so I was I was very lucky in that sense. And then once I found um a therapist that I meshed really well with, and a doctor who like was able to pres- prescribe me medication that I was initially very unwilling to take, um, and then finally, you know, accepted and and started taking, and I was like, wow, this actually helps. Like, who would not have guessed? And then once. I was in that good headspace, it's like, I hate saying silver lining because there's like nothing good about, you know, that experience of losing a friend, but um, it definitely made me realize what my passion was, that it wasn't in financial consulting, which is what I was doing before, and it was actually in, you know, advocating for mental health, which is why I started the podcast, and then through the podcast, I discovered that I wanted to go to social work school. And it's really put me on a trajectory that I never saw for myself, but I think was always kind of right for me. Yeah. So it's weird yeah. how that stuff happens.
1: I know. I I know you mean like you hate to call it a silver lining, but that is totally a good thing that came out of this. And like, you're probably a much more empathetic person than most because you went through something that is really, really hard. And um, when I talk to people who are, have gone through things that I've been through, and have like come out of this other side a little bit. Like it's, it's amazing. Like you're the only, you are one of the few people who could probably really help somebody who's like newly going through this because you've done it yourself. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, like it, 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 makes you, and when you can start to help other people, like it really does also, I think, make such a difference too. like in your own recovering journey, like, you know, definitely this podcast,
0: I think like helped
1: me so much. And
0: It's so funny. I remember once I was interviewing this woman. um, She's now my therapist, but at the time she was just someone who would like follow me on social media randomly. And in our conversation, she was like, you would make a really good therapist. Mm. I was like, it was like this aha moment of like, duh, (laughs) I'm literally interviewing people about their mental health. Like I've never taken a psych course in my life. So that's something I need to do. But it's like that natural, like inquisitive, Beha- um, like nature, I have, and just like the desire to unpack people's like problems and help them get through it. I was like, Well, that makes a lot of sense. Like, <laughs> I wish I had taken like Psych 101 or something, but you know, there's it's never too late. So, yeah, go to grad school a little bit later. Oh my gosh,
1: and you're so young, like, I like you say that oh, it's never too late. And I'm looking at you, I'm like, Oh my god, you're so lucky to have at least realized that this early on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, a lot of people yeah, why not true. make
1: that make that realization or put those puzzle pieces together till they're like in their mid thirties, early forties. Like that happens all the time. So you're yeah. you're early in the game.
0: Thanks. I I hope so. I you know, I try to remind myself that like whenever I'm like, oh my god, I'm 26, I'm so old, and see you know engagements on my Instagram or something, and I was like, I thought the same thing when I was 23. Like, calm down, we're not that old. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So I always wrap up with a couple of questions that are like somewhat related to the podcast and somewhat different. Um, The first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today?
1: (sighs) Oh my God. There's so many things. There's so many things. Um, I will say just because I, I feel like we're talking to a younger audience. I'll go back to like my early 20s I was very, very, very broke for like two years in my early twenties. And it has a hundred percent shaped who I am as a person and made me so strong, so resilient actually has made me like a little bit of a, like, I'm, I'm able to take more risks and like invest my money and do all of these things that have set me up for financial success because being broke doesn't scare me as much. I'm like, I've done it. I've done it. I've lived off of like a $30 food budget for the week, you know, in New York city. Like I've, it made me like a very, very strong person. It made me have to be really, really careful and, um, really, uh, what's the word, um, really like thoughtful about every dot, like every dollar I spent, uh, at that time was very thoughtful after literally every dollar I was like, I can use this towards, you know, um, a piece of pizza or I can use this towards, you know, like buying a box of mushrooms that I can like cook into dinner later. Like I, that it was just such a wild experience. Cause I'm so far, I'm like far away from it now, thank God. But, um, I, it still impacts me to this day. And I hear people like who limit themselves because they don't have money or resources or any of this stuff. And I'm like, everything is figure outable. Like you, like, yeah, from that experience, I'm like, I, you can figure out anything, like depending on your circumstances. So that was like a really good like life lesson for me and something I still like use to this day.
0: One of the coolest things my, my therapist told me about was generational psychology. I'm not sure if like, You've heard about it, like the the concept, but basically it talks a lot about how basically it looks at kind of generations as a whole and shows how each generation is defined by the biggest traumas that happened, you know, over that time. So, for example, you know, for baby boomers, really the only thing that happened was like JFK's assassination. Mm-hmm. And so... That's why, at least, like my my parents' generation, you know, they stuck with the job and, um, they lived through like greed is good era and like just kept working and they, you know, it looked like a sign of, um, it was like a good sign if you were at your job for thirty years. Whereas, you know, millennials and Gen Z, we've had nine eleven, we've had you know the financial recession we've had now covid and another reset like we've lived through so much so we're exactly. actually less risk averse mm-hmm. and like that's why the younger generations are not afraid to quit their job and like not afraid to take risks and spend money and it I, I just thought that was like so cool and it really made it easier to kind of understand where my parents were coming from when they were trying to make a certain point whereas like I'm over here like I want to quit my job and do my podcast all the time and they were like mm. yeah. but it, it's it's cool how you know you know ironically something that at the time you know made you be think very carefully about money it also made you realize like at the end of the day yeah like things will work out and you can like make do and it's not worth like stressing over.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. If every generation is defined by their trauma, like we've got this in the bag, guys, we literally have so much trauma to choose from.
0: I know it's like, just get it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, even the younger kids are like going to come out, like not even going to school. (laughs) They're not going to give a care in the world
1: <laughs> i know it is interesting it's especially like bringing like i'm about to bring a kid into this world and i think about that all the time like what world are they going to grow up in because i feel like it's going to be very different from the one that the metaverse you and I, I even know. yeah they're going to be in the metaverse god only knows uh yeah it'll be very very different from the one even you and i have experienced. definitely
0: uh do you believe everything happens
1: for a reason Um. Yes, I kind of do. I kind of do. And sometimes that reason sucks. (laughs) Like sometimes, like the reason is awful. Um. But every like traumatic thing that has happened in my life, like I can look back on those dots now and see like how that they have helped me in some way, or pushed me in a direction, or turned me into the person that I am today. So I will say that everything you might not know the reason, um, but I think that everything, everything has a way of kind of working itself out. And yeah, I kind of, I, I like to think of it that way, that it has. Me too.
0: I like to think that there's like a reason that can be found in everything that happens. And it kind of like, goes back to the point of like learning from mistakes and learning from things that didn't go well and saying like, why didn't this happen? And then, you know, that leading towards something that, you know, makes you not repeat that mistake or even like, I mean, then I, I, I read that stuff, I think in like every episode, but I just like get so tripped out by it, the butterfly effect and like the concept, like of one tiny decision influencing your entire life. Like that part freaks me out because it's, I mean, like, I I think about that all the time of like, if I didn't make this one decision, would I be like living in Austin or like I have this (laughs) podcast? It's,
1: I just, we just did an episode like about that on my podcast and kind of just making decisions. Cause I think that's like one of the hardest parts I remember from my mid twenties is making some of those like life path decisions.
0: Oh my gosh. I was the worst at making decisions.
1: Yeah. It's scary. Cause like, like you said, like it really does affect, you know, um, where you're going in life, where you're living. I've had a couple of those, like a fork in the road situation where I'm like, which way am I going to go? and you choose one path and there's always like the opportunity cost of not taking the other path. Um, but something that I had, it was a psychotherapist I had on for that episode. And one thing that she told me that I I actually thought was really good to hear. And she's like, there are so few decisions that you make in your life that are irreversible. Like I, I used the example of at the time I was living in New York and I loved New York and I was having a great time. My friends were there. My, my life was there and my, Now husband, my boyfriend at the time had to move to California, like he had to move. And so at a certain point I was faced with the decision, do I stay in New York and we keep doing this long distance thing for, we kick the can down the road for another two years, or do I move to California and try and build a life with him? That was like a really hard life decision I had to make. Um, But even in that decision, she pointed out, she's like, you could have moved to California and if it didn't work out, you could have moved back, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of a, a, a helpful thing to know. I think for anybody who out there who might be facing some hard decisions um some of, a lot of them are reversible and a lot of them can be changed even if you make the wrong one. I've made plenty of wrong decisions in my life, but I've been able to, you know, figure them out and turn them into a learning mis- a learning lesson and and turn around and and make other choices that put me on the right path.
0: That's so true. It's it's funny like I remember when I was in like the depths of my anxiety, I would literally like not be able to make the smallest decisions I'd be like should I go home for the weekend or should I stay in New York like and I I would have to ask my therapist I'd have to ask my parents and they were like I don't know just like do what you want to do and then once I got that under control I somehow was able to like make the spontaneous decision to move to Austin without knowing anyone so it's really like I don't know I think also a depiction of where my mental health was at one point where I couldn't decide like what I wanted for dinner and then versus being able to write like a pros and cons list of like, s- like staying in New York versus staying or like, moving to Austin and taking a chance. And if it didn't work out, the pro was I could just move back. Right. Do you have a favorite yeah. quote or a mantra that you live by?
1: Favorite quote. Um, I actually heard this when I was 27 um, and I was still big kid problems wasn't my full-time job yet. I was working in the corporate world and I actually heard it on a podcast. It was Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. Love her, love her so much. She was on a podcast and she was she was also talking about the moment that she decided to take Spanx full-time and she was 27 years old, like working in a sales job. I'm sitting here listening to this podcast. I'm 27 years old in a sales job. And she said she realized that this life is not a dress rehearsal. And you don't get another chance. This isn't a warm-up exercise. Like you have one life, you have one opportunity. and like you gotta go for it. And I heard that and I literally like stopped in the street. like I had my headphones on and I stopped in the street and was like, oh my God, this life isn't a dress rehearsal. What am I doing? What am I doing? So that that's kind of been a, a mantra for me, and it's just a reminder to, you know treat this life like you only have one to live because you do.
0: I love that. That actually, my I'm in my parents' house right now, and we have that um, downstairs, like on our kitchen. Like uh, we have that, like I think it was torn out from a page of something, and it's on our oven. Oh, we so have funny. like light, life ain't no dress rehearsal. Yeah, so funny. Yeah,
1: I I heard that later in life, and I, I love that quote.
0: Oh, it's so good. Um, what do you love most about yourself?
1: Um, what I love most about myself, probably my sense of humor. Like I'm just able to turn everything into a joke. <laughs> it's like what I do for a living, like even the most traumatic or horrible, awful experience, I'm able to, to make, bring some levity to it and laugh and make other people laugh about it. Um, so that's my, that's like, I can't do basic math, but I can do that. You know, so that's my one gift <laughs> in life. So I'll take it. I
0: would, I mean, I feel like my, I don't know, I'm on that, like, brink of, like, self-deprecating humor, but, like, the, it's almost like the meme of, you know, when you, like, say a joke, and then, like, it's like, oh, was that was that too much? <laughs> but, but that's, I guess, like, where my, thats as much, like, comedic um, ability I have, but that's a good quality, and it also just, I think, makes people, like, um, makes you, like, a magnetic person as well.
1: Yeah. Relatable. I think, I think a lot of people go through a lot of the same experiences and different packages. Um, so it, it's a way to just build connection between people for sure.
0: hundred percent. Um, and last question, which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city? And this can be either New York, LA, something. <laughs>
1: uh, I always find solace through like self-care practices. Like I dare you to find somebody else who takes self-care as seriously <laughs> as I do. Um, like I won't spend money on like anything like on frivolous things, but I will spend money on a massage. Mm-hmm. I will spend money on a facial because those things bring me joy and they like release muscle tension. And make me a happier person. I take time every single day to do things that make me feel good. Like whether if it's just getting outside and like walking my dog or like eating a good meal or drinking lemon water, like doing any kind of self-care practices. I take it so seriously, like never will anything keep me from doing things that make me feel good. And, and I think it's really important. A lot of us like deprive ourselves of simple pleasures and like are grinding. So focused grinding. I spent so many, so many years in my twenties, just so focused on the grind and accomplishing things and not taking like the time and just like the little moments in life to like actually enjoy where I'm at each day. And like, that is something I've started doing in the last few years that I've gotten really good at and take so seriously.
0: That's awesome. I need to do that more. And your skin is like glowing. So that makes, <laughs> that makes sense.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank Even
0: you. Even on a zoom camera, which I feel like that literally is like the worst, just like lighting ever, but you were glowing. So I need to take <laughs> notes.
1: Um. I'll take it. People will say it's a pregnancy glow, but Uh, no, you're like, no, not (laughs) after all these
0: serums I bought. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Sarah, thank you so much for coming to my podcast. Where can everyone follow you? Listen to your two podcasts, um, plug everything.
1: Yes. Come hang out with me on big kid problems on Instagram. That's my main platform. Um, I also have my personal account, Sarah Merrill underscore hall. I just got married. So I have got another last name that I had to throw on there. Uh, my podcast is big kid problem. The big kid problems podcast. You can find it anywhere you've got your podcast. And now I have a new pregnancy podcast called bottle service, which is really fun. Oh, that's really cute. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. (laughs) It's a new kind of bottle service. Um, but anybody, you know, even if, even if it's like, I, I even think it's interesting. Like if you have a friend or like a sister, uh, who's pregnant, like being able to kind of check in on what week they're on and listen to the episodes and like understand what's going on in there. Cause it is a fascinating, um, it is a fascinating thing. Like pregnancy is wild <laughs> the
0: things yeah, that happen
1: I, every I week. Can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's not. So that's my second podcast, but yeah, just come find me at big kid problems anywhere. Awesome. Thanks again. And
0: bye everyone.